Production. Recorded live. We are indeed live, and unusually, uh, Bradshaw to Ben here with the SteelerFury.com podcast. I'm in Pittsburgh. That never happens. Uh, and I uh, have with us a special Thanksgiving edition, uh, a man who I think epitomizes Thanksgiving. If you saw him in his, uh, his uh, what would you call it, his figure, his mm-hmm. girlish figure, you would understand that Thanksgiving is a big day in his in his rule book or his holiday book. It's FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? 165 pounds lighter without <laughs> stomach stapling. It's known as the crack cocaine diet. I suggest anybody that's morbidly obese, you get on the crack, you won't have no money for food. Your teeth may fall out, so you're not going to eat as much. <laughs> uh, you're just making room for you're just making room for tomorrow. I know. Yes, sir. You're like a, one of those binge eaters that saves up room. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a hollow leg. That's my secret. Also joining us, since it's not Thanksgiving where he is, uh, up in the Great White North, a eh, it's Greek Steel. He's with us. How are you, sir? I'm good. Also making room for tomorrow. <laughs> well, you're not gonna. You're you're just having a regular meal tomorrow. No, no, don't don't forget. I've I've mentioned before. I got an American wife. I do the Thanksgiving for her too. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, you guys have two. I double dip at Thanksgiving. It's a good thing. FC, you totally missed out. How did you not end up with a Canadian (laughs) wife so you could also swing this? I know. No, 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 no. I got a good Southern wife. But the question I got to ask, Greek, do you celebrate both Christmases, 25th and Greek Orthodox, or just one? Uh, Just the 25th. Okay. I hit both. Oh, man, you you got to go through. We do. I'm not even Orthodox, and I hit both. We acknowledge in January, but we celebrated at regular Western Christmas. I'm a fat fucking spoiled bastard. I wanted presents on both days. And I got it, <laughs> goddammit. No, no, you tell it. Christmas is actually the whole, it's 12 days long, man. What do you think they call yeah. it the 12 days of Christmas? Yep. You celebrate straight through to Greek Orthodox Christmas. Come on, man. Get with the program. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gentlemen, I, I would just, uh, just to get started, we're going to, it's been two weeks since the Steelers last played the game, so we'll get a chance to talk to them. But, you know, Pro Bowl voting opened up uh, and I just was uh, in the middle of doing my ballot, and uh, I was just talking about the wide receivers and saying that uh, it was a little bit tough to narrow it down to even eight wide receivers. Um, but I, I have my eight picked, and I'm wondering if you guys can can uh, pick off my eight, All right? So uh, I give, you guys can alternate guesses. Who, uh, Greek, you can start it. Who's, who's on my eight? Who's on my eight? Antonio Brown is a no-brainer. Nuke Hopkins He's, is a Well, hang on, hang on. You, you get one guess. Go ahead, FC. Sorry. Antonio, Antonio Brown, yes. Uh, I'll go with Nuke Hopkins with this, uh, so I don't fucking uh, steal also a, Greeks. Also a, also a yes. <laughs> Julio Jones. Yes. See, I'm taking into account you. Um, <laughs> see, I, I know who I want to say, but I don't think it's going to be a winner. So I'm going to go a little bit safer. Wow. Uh, I guess I'll go for Demarius Thomas because he actually performed without Peyton Manning. He did not make your cut. I love it. Uh, Demarius Thomas did not make my cut. I love it. Weren't we trying to guess someone who did make your list? <laughs> you want me to go yeah, on the next? Sure, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. I'll go to LSU with Odell Beckham. Uh, he, Odell Beckham uh, did make my list. 
Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald did not, although he probably was the first or second out. See, I keep on naming the ones that he that he didn't. I love it. Actually, you know what? I'll be, to be fair, uh, I, 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 I can name Fitzgerald off could, of you that I think. No, hang on. Larry, like, okay. Larry Fitzgerald should be in. I, I, uh, I had him over top of I had someone else over top of him I shouldn't have in re-looking at it. So I'll, I'll make Larry Fitzgerald in there. But I think you're going to have trouble with the last uh, three would be my guess. How about the guy from uh, Penn State, Allen Robinson? Nope. He's, he's nice. He's had a nice. Amari Cooper. No. Nope. Brandon How about the uh, midget <laughs> in uh, New England? Julian Elwin. Yes, he is on my list. Uh, I held my nose. That's the midget, New England Greek. Artist. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with the midget, New Orleans, but I know that you're not a huge Brandon Cooks fan. No, I did not. I don't have him. If it's Jarvis Landry, I'm going to laugh because <laughs> going back to the draft, you know, but I'm guessing now. Not A.J. Green, that's for sure. He's had a quiet season. Well, Calvin he's Johnson, had 59. I don't think so. Brandon Marshall? Not Brandon Marshall. Not Keenan Allen. As well, he is. Well, okay. Not, like, let's just let's we can stop this right now. So, what are the what are the criteria that ought to be the, the choice? You got or, is it the best touchdowns? Is what I would. Yeah, think. See, I, see, what I would say is it's two things. It's a combination of the results, what you've actually done, and also you know who the when it comes down to it, guys with similar results. Then it's about who's a better player, right? Right. So I would say I would say the next three guys Alan are James Jones, are, are James Jones, Brandon Marshall, and Martavis Bryant. And I could make a you, know, you could make a good case for Brandon Marshall, but having seen all three guys play, and I mean I watched full multiple full games of all of them, I think Martavis Bryant is the next guy up on that list. And I know that he hasn't played a whole season, but when you consider what he's done in the time he's been in, I that, that was my eighth vote. So you guys weren't going to get there with me, but. Uh, I, you know, you see Brandon Marshall, he's got more catches, but uh, Brian has the same number of touchdowns. Uh, and, I mean, other, other than DeAndre Hopkins, you could, make, you could make an argument that Martavis Bryant has had more of an impact maybe than any of those other guys have had on their team. So, that's how, you know, there's still – the other problem with this is I'm voting for the Pro Bowl six weeks, you know, a full third of the season before the season is over. So, maybe we'll feel differently about this. But, anyway. That was my uh, – you guys did a fine job guessing, though. You're, you're hip to all the cats. Can't get anything past you. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, on that note, speaking of, uh, of Martavis Bryant, um, you know, that was a, one giant item in the last week's game uh, in terms of the impact that he had on that game and in terms of the, the deep ball had on that game. But, FC, uh, it's been two weeks. Uh, what's your take on the state of the Steelers at the bye week, uh, with an eye towards what they did in their last game? They're only you're only as good as your last game. So how good are they? Uh, I think they're pretty good. Um, this is going to be a big test for this team the next two weeks because uh, you know in Seattle, Seattle lost some of the luster. You know I think they've lost there twice. I'm sure they've lost there twice this year. 
Um, you know, uh, I my Tomlin teams are not great off of the bye, which is a problem. They I expect better results, and I believe we're like right around five hundred. Not and uh, I, you you would be wrong. What what's our record? Well, they have multiple wins and only two losses coming off the bye under Mike Tomlin. Uh, I will tell you uh, the exact number in a second. But uh, go ahead, continue. you just you can continue making your point. And I'll My see main if point I can... is, is uh, <laughs> you're going to have no Marshawn Lynch this week. Thomas Rawls is a dangerous back. There's, there's, if I would say somehow the Steelers could overlook this week's opponent. You know, considering if I said that earlier this year, people would laugh at me. But, you know, um, Seattle is a big game. It's a 4 o'clock start. You know, we can make all of the excuses in the world. How are you going to, you know, hopefully they're prepared. And if they're not prepared, where do you lay the blame? Is it, is it with the coach or is it with the players? Because at this point, you know, we're not a young team. You know, uh, we have, you know, players that have gotten it done. You know, and I'm concerned. I'm concerned because I think the Steelers are going to come out and they're going to play like gangbusters, and then you have the Colts the following week. And, you know, they're not going to have Locke, you know, Hasselbeck. I know, you know, the looking ahead, that's my main concern, is I expect the Steelers to come out and try to, to prove that they are one of the elite teams in the NFL. How are you going to respond the following week? So as bad as this is with no football last week, no sewer football last week, I kind of watched that Seattle game and I came away unimpressed. You know, I don't think anybody could be, you know, impressed. I, I, my first thing is, well, are they going to really try to put Richard Sherman on Antonio Brown? That's not going to work. We, we, you, your point of T.Y. Hilton is just, just is, you know, has been his kryptonite so far. You know, wide receivers like that, and you gave the example of T.Y. Hilton, which I thought was excellent. Are you going to really try to put Richard Sherman's 4740 running ass on Martavius Bryant? With You know, <laughs> even if you're in the cover three, he, he'll outrun Cam Chancellor 465. Yeah, well, okay, well, well, let me just bump in here for a second. So the Steelers are, during the regular season, are 6-2 and two after the bye week, uh, coming oh, off the bye week under please. Mike Tomlin. And uh, if you want to count the two in the postseason, they're actually eight and two overall after a bye. Uh oh! So, I got some bad info. So they, have, okay. they have been pretty good, um, but I, you know, you're jumping the gun at this a little bit because I do want to get to this, you know, questions about this matchup. I, we could dive right into it because we all, you know, the Browns were the Browns, um, and you know, the bye week is the bye week. It's all it's been gone and talked about for a whole week. But I actually, I didn't, I didn't come away super impressed with Seattle's defense. Other than, you know, their uh, Bennett and and uh, Cliff Averill. Cliff Averill's amazing, but other other than those two cats, yeah, I didn't come over way super impressed with the secondary and the linebackers. But you know, they do make plays. They will get beaten, and I do think, as you said, this particular matchup is a problem for them because, you know, their corners aren't really set up for big guys who can fly or little quick guys like, like Antonio Brown who can make every play. So that's going to be an issue when we get to that. But I, I'm, I look on the other side of the ball and I think Seattle is what they do on offense is kind of kryptonite for the Steelers because the Steelers don't really have that, you know, uh, 
endless pass rush all day, you know, relentless from the outside guys that can get to the quarterback without giving him an escape lane. And that, to me, is the key to beating Russell Wilson. You have to contain him and also get get pressure. Uh, so I'm not sure where that comes from. I guess, Greek, you know, you, you know, what's your take on in terms of the matchup? Not not necessarily which team is better, but how they suit each other. Yes, I see it like you guys. Antonio Brown gets moved around a lot as well, so he'll be a tough matchup. If I were them, I'd actually put Sherman on Bryant. Tyler Lockett scares me a little bit on their side. Actually, quite a lot in terms of the yeah, return game and receiving skills. Yeah, well, basically their offense is, you know, it's kind of lull you to sleep with the run, which they now have a guy who's, you know, until he gets suspended and and uh, thrown out of the league, like like the Ray Rices and Greg Hardy's of the world, uh, you know, there, there's a guy that, that has a little uh, skip in his step and, uh, you know, a nice-looking running back who's, a, you know, been pretty good for them receiving the ball too. So they'll lull you to sleep with that little stuff. And then, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett runs vertical and the quarterback can buy himself enough time with his feet to make plays. If he doesn't get hit a lot and he doesn't get crazed in the pocket and make mistakes, you know, they have they have a nice, strong running game and can, and can get the job done. It's just, you know, uh, like you said, the other side, their defense against our offense, I, I like our chances. Uh, I like our chances pretty well, except for, you know, FC, I'll throw this to you. Cliff Averill and Marcus Gilbert, that's that's like the exact guy that Marcus Gilbert struggles with, isn't it? It's the type of guy that Marcus Gilbert has struggled with. Marcus Gilbert's done pretty solid this year. So until he gets beat, I'm really not – Cliff Averill is a tough matchup for any tackle in the NFL. He has great anticipation of the snap. He plays low, and he's very quick, fast, and he understands how the rush passer he's got a variety of pass pass rush moves he's a you know um he's well versed you know he's a good good pass rusher not great versus the run and uh seattle's gonna you know they're gonna wave their defensive linemen in and they're gonna try to put you know big physical linemen bigger their bigger defensive linemen against our normal run sets and I, that's uh, i think todd haley you know if he diversifies the play calling that you know we could see some very very positive matchups for, you know, the Steelers, you know, when, when they have the ball. The thing that I find the most intriguing and I think is overlooked and why Seattle's play has been down so much this year is, I repeat, I believe they have the worst offensive line in the NFL. It's not even close. And uh, I don't know. Uh, the Steelers' Defense, everyone complain. A lot of people complain, but I think that we're like in the top ten in scoring. I know for a fact that we are. I think we're seventh in scoring, fifth against the rush, or sixth against the rush, eighth or ninth maybe total points allowed. So you know, our we play the classic bend but don't break defense. We do have I think twenty eight or twenty nine sacks on the season, which is in the top seven or eight in the NFL. Um, the, the crowd. The situation, this is a huge game for both teams. Um, you know, this is the game where, you know, our offense probably is going to have to put up 30 points. But I won't be shocked if our defense only allows 17. So 21 may get it done, but I'm not brave enough to say that. I, I'll i be shocked if, this, if Seattle beats us with zone read and with, you know, any type of run game. If if they run the ball successfully against the Steelers, the, the 
the, the problems of Steelers front seven and Butler or because there there there's no excuse. I've watched Seattle play the last four or five weeks, and their offense line's bad. I don't know though. Here's the thing: San Francisco, for all their problems, the one thing that they've been pretty good at is stopping the run. I think they were top five in the NFL stopping the run, and Seattle just completely obliterated them in the run game last week. They did, but that was San Francisco. San Francisco, this they they have now run out of bodies. I mean the. If it, like I, I watched that game too, and it was just injury after injury, and <clears throat> Gabbard is every bit as bad as Kaepernick. Yeah, it, it it's was, not it, worse. If you watch that game, it's just like wow, three hours gone watching that because that was <laughs> that was bad to watch. That was bad football, man. I watched it. I watched it in the uh, you know in the uh, repeat. I, I started watching mm-hmm. the real-time version, like the kind that gives you all the commentary and time in between sure. plays, and I quickly switched to like <laughs> just play, play after play because it, it, was, it was excruciatingly difficult football to watch. But, see, I, I watched that game, and I saw, you know, with a different running back and offensive line, you know, that whole, the whole zone read thing is, a, you know, kind of a thing to protect for offensive lines that don't have great individual players, right, because it's more about their teamwork, about how they play together. Sure. And and I think that's, you know, so what they did last week, none of the individual guys really jump out at you. And, in fact, you know, when you see them isolated in, in pass protection or even isolated in the run game, they're they're not gangbusters for sure. But I felt like as a, you know, as a unit, they played pretty well. And it just made a big difference putting a running back behind them that was, you know, in, uninjured and, and confident, you know. So, so like, Fred Jackson, fine, you know, end of, his, end of the line for his career. Marshawn Lynch. Injured most of the time this year, but um, you know, kind of can't say enough about uh, a guy that I thought was a good college player and had, a, you know, a chance. Except for you know, didn't like his off the field stuff at all coming out. But Thomas Rawls has been sort of a revelation for them, Greek. Agreed, he really has been. I don't want to. You, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the big, the big, big thing is the zone read. They want to force the defense to make mistakes. And they're reading that defensive end. If he comes down, you know, Russell Wilson's going to keep it out the back door. How many times do you want to let Russell Wilson keep it coming out the back door facing down James Harrison, Bud Dupree, Jarvis fucking Jones, Arthur Motes? I mean, did any, if any of you old-time Steeler fans, that was Keith Willis like on Ken Anderson. That was like the way Ken Anderson's head spun around. And that's one of the most vicious face masks I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that was like that'll put a crimp in your day, getting your head turned exactly. around 270 degrees. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I just I look at that team and I just think, yes, they haven't been that great, and le- yes, they've lost some luster. They lost to and they lost to two pretty good teams at home too, in Carolina and Arizona. And Pittsburgh yep. might make three that they wouldn't, you know, maybe wouldn't have lost three games at home a couple of years ago when they were really happening, but. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not that confident in the Steelers' ability to stop what they do on offense, stop it cold. I think it's a, probably like a, st- a stop and start, hot and cold game for both teams. I, I think some shenanigans are going to give the Steelers some problems, like uh, the fake zone read where Russell Wilson comes up, runs right to the line, and then throws the ball over the top. I don't know if you've seen that. They've run it a few times. Um, I've seen it a lot in college football this year. 
And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Because if that defensive back doesn't step up on Russell Wilson, he's going to run the ball for 15 or 20 yards. You do step up on him, he's going to complete a ball for 25 or 30 yards. It's just like, fuck it, take the lead hit, drill him, and hopefully they can't do that shit again. FC, do you think crowd noise will be a factor at all? I do, um, but only to a certain extent. The Steelers, I'm m- most concerned about our new left the left tackle. Um the, the the Steeler, I mean Ben and uh, Ben's never played there, is that right? No, he hasn't. But he's played some pretty loud places, Super Bowls, especially um, Denver in uh, the 2005 playoffs. Um, is the I've been in Clemson, Death Valley. I've been in LSU, Death Valley. I've been in the Big House, Michigan. The loudest stadium I ever heard was uh, would be uh, would be Denver in 2005 AFC Championship game. That was like nauseatingly loud and they just went silent. I think that during the bye week, I think they probably have the silent countdown to the point. We, we go silent a lot with Ramon Foster turning, looking at Ben, shaking his head, tapping the center on the ass and, and then going with that. Crowd noise is only a problem whenever you're down by multiple scores. The best way to take the crowd out of the game is give them a big shit burger. Steelers go up 10 or 14, nothing. And uh, they'll be looking for their bongs and their Starbucks. So I'm jealous in got- Seattle. I'm not going to lie with that legal pot. Fuck you, too, in Canada. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, you're, you're sort I'm of not. kidding. <laughs> um, Greek, any other uh, brilliant thoughts? We're going to start talking about matchups in a second. You like any of the, uh, you know, what do you, what do you feel like is a tough matchup for the Steelers in this game? The Russell Wilson scrambling. If ever there was a week for Jarvis <laughs> Jones to set that edge. I agree. Russell Wilson, in, the running part does scare me as well. Well, here's the thing. It's what it, what it does more than anything. The Steelers' approach to running quarterbacks is always they have their essentially their outside linebackers two gap. Uh, on their way to the quarterback. So they, they don't, you know, they basically are more interested in setting the edge and trying to push a guy back to collapse the pocket than they are in actually getting a sack. And, you know, against a guy like Wilson, if you, you get undisciplined and you come off that and, uh, you know, get too far inside or get too far outside, he just, you know, he has a way of escaping out of there. It doesn't matter if there's some yards to be had to the sideline or if, if he can escape and still keep his eyes downfield. He's pretty good at that. And uh, earlier in the year, he looked—he just didn't look right. Uh, his feel of when to get out of the pocket, and not as, as FC has pointed out, when your your offensive line is not playing well, and particularly in pass protection, I think it's easy to get skittish as a quarterback. It happens to the best of them, you know. It's, it's happened to Ben at times. It happened to Brady. Uh, in this case, it's sort of like if the if the offensive line is at least keeping the uh, defensive lineman at bay and not giving him immediate problems then he can work the pocket pretty well. And that, to me, as you said, is a FC is a problem. It's a dilemma for you because, you know, whether he runs or not, sometimes you get put in a position, in a position where you have to guess one or the other, and, you you know, whichever one you pick, he's going he's to make you pay the other direction, baby. Um, you know, maybe has as much uh, mobility and ability to make the play down the field uh, out of the pocket as anybody. But um, one thing I noticed – Greek, you may or may not know this, is that Russell Wilson is the lowest-rated quarterback, at least he was as of last week, lowest-rated quarterback in the NFL versus the Blitz. So, wow. so 
maybe it's maybe it's a blitz week for the for the Steelers. There you go. I agree. That O line's been very very bad. By the way, twenty five percent of his passes are out of the pocket, which is number one in the NFL. I learned this by watching the game this week. The other thing I thought was interesting, second most quarterback rush yards, which is sort of expected, but here's the one. Uh, to Their tight end is first in receptions, first in yards, second in touchdowns, and second in 100-yard games for a tight end. And this, you know, I mean, this is including his time in Seattle, but this is over the course of, you know, since he's been in the league, you know, that's a big mystery in, in Seattle FC is, you know, why not more, why not lean on their tight end more, Jimmy Graham? What's, what's your take on Jimmy Graham in Seattle? I could go with – there's several things it could be. Um, Russell Wilson's a little bit vertically challenged. He's short. And throwing the ball over the middle field as a short quarterback is not the easiest thing. See passing lanes. Avoid getting the ball deflected. I, I mean, it sounds, you know, like – I'm clutching at straws here, but it's a possibility. Second thing is, is Jimmy Graham is the number one target for Seattle. And, I mean, Doug Baldwin is expected to play this week, but he's Doug Baldwin. You know, Kyrus is Kyrus. I do fear uh, the young man out of Kansas State, uh, Lockett. Yep. Oh, man. I mean, I remember his father playing at Kansas State. That's how you know you're old. Um, I mean, he was, his father was real good, too. Um, so you're, you, Jimmy Graham's the man in that offense, and that's that's where you know you're going to get safeties. You know, plus I mean I'm I'm not saying he he, he gets dinged, and I'm not I mean you're going to put your best shot on Jimmy Graham. I mean, if you have to make your money, you know, throwing the ball to tight ends against the Steelers this year, you're going to have some problems. The Steelers have really laid the wood. To some tight ends this season. I, I actually was gonna, you know, uh, post something about it at the board. If you think about it, against San Francisco, they took out three tight ends. They injured uh, Vance McDonald, um, kid that got traded to Denver. Uh, Vernon Davis got injured, and they also injured. The, they took Tyler Eifert out of the game. You know, they were they were like looking for an excuse for the the. Tyler Eifert had two bad drop games this week. One happened two weeks ago, and the, the the other one was against the Steelers. And Mike Mitchell buzzed his tower early in the game, and Tyler Eifert realized he wasn't at Notre Dame anymore, that these were grown men that might <laughs> put him in a wheelchair. And, you know, he decided to make a business decision, and he was going to look and find out where the contact was, and the ball became the second most important thing. Um, Seattle, and that's not really – that's not really Jimmy Graham's game either. You know, his game is more, uh, you know, of a touch the seam. You, 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 yeah, you get Corner. him in space and yeah. Sure. Right. But he's not—he's not a guy that's like gonna bang over the middle with you. No. The Canadian tight end is sneaky good too. <laughs> Walton. <laughs> yes. The Canadian tight end, as he will forever be known the rest of time. <laughs> hey, that that that. Uh, kid from Quebec that's the actual real life doctor that's starting for Kansas City is well that's one of the reasons why the, the, the Chiefs have turned around their year I, not bad uh, 
I, he has like a three. It's French Canadian. I'm not even gonna like chop it up, but I believe his last. I remember name is, in Montreal. I know who you're talking about. Torrance, I can't remember his name either, though. Yeah, Torrance is his last name. It's like T A U R A N T. Torrance is how I'd say it in my <laughs> best Pittsburghy Dixie. But I mean, like, hey, I'm I'm not gonna knock the Canadians. They're great people. <laughs> It's Laurent Duvernay Tardis. Or Tardis. There you go. I don't know how you say it. How do you, what do you think, man? T A R D I S. Tardis, huh? Bring my yep. French fries with the gravy and the cheese curds. <laughs> it sounds like a dirty word in English. Poutine. Uh, I want some of that poutine. It's yeah. Like my wife's like, what did you say to her? I'm like, ah, ah, it's like fucking French fries, man. You'll see. I went, I went somewhere and they had a poutine omelet on the brunch oh, menu. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, per, uh, Greek, while you're while you're on, who is the greatest Canadian? Uh, who's the greatest greatest Canadian NFL player? Well, you got to give me a second on that one. Greatest sure. Canadian NFL player. I mean, I, I'm I'm not necessarily have someone in mind. I'm just asking. Yeah, Joe Burrow would Buffalo be pretty Bills, easy, but wait, who's that Canadian again? Canadian player. Maybe uh, Ruben Mays. Oh, Ruben Mays was actually really fucking good too. Right about? Mm-hmm. Top Canadians in NFL history. See, I'm looking it up now because I'm like that. That's what I do while I ask. I guess Joe you guys Ferguson, really tough quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, was pretty damn good. Is he Canadian? Yeah. Joe Ferguson was Canadian, eh? Wow. I'm from. I thought it was going to be. FC thought it was going to be Vaughn Martin, but they didn't pan out. Uh, that Hicks is pretty good too. <laughs> It probably wasn't Tony Mandarich, uh, just guessing. Probably not. Not, not Tim Biakabatuka, uh, who's about as Canadian oh, as actually, I am. Oh, actually, Joe but... Ferguson was born in Alvin, Texas, and reared in Toronto. So he grew up in I... Toronto. So I, I'm wrong. He, he just... I'll tell you what, I'm, I think I'm going to go with uh, Ruben Mays. That sounds like a Ruben fairly Mays. good choice. I like okay. that. Well, there you go. Things, things we didn't know, the best Canadian <laughs> player. Now we know. Uh, so FC, let's move on and talk a little bit about uh, matchups here, uh, specifically in this game. Uh, you know, we, I mentioned uh, we talked about the Steelers on offense and Seattle on defense. I mentioned Michael Bennett. Uh, I, I know that they they like to move both Bennett and Averill around a little bit, but it seems like when they get really into crunch time, that Averill is coming off the left side and Bennett is. Uh, you know, still switching sides a little bit in the middle. What do you What do you think is a they will try to do? Because I'm guessing that they want to oh, see Michael I know, Bennett I, I'm against 90, Ramon Foster. Nine percent sure. I know what they're going to do. They're going to slide Michael Bennett over Ramon Foster on obvious passing downs, and Bennett's going to probably, with his speed and length, going to abuse Foster. I hate to say it, and they're going to probably put Averill against uh, our, the, our um, we'll call him GI Joe um, at left tackle because I'm not <laughs> Al- Alejandro Villanueva. Yeah. yeah. Uh, across from AV, whoever came up with that AV at our at the Stewart Fury, beautiful. They're going to probably put them against AV, and uh, you know they'll, they'll, they're going to roll in everything. You know, I, I you have to imagine that you're going to see Bruce Irvin rushing the passer against. Uh, they'll probably Gilbert. They'll probably try to test him with speed. Um, I, I, I respect Bobby Wagner. He's not having the same type of year post the injury. K.J. Wright's a quality defender. I mean, he, he'll be able to maybe take away 
Heath Miller, D'Angelo, Williams in the passing game. I just I have no idea how they're going to deal with Antonio Brown, and I have no idea how they're going to deal with Martavis Bryant. And I'm not and I'm not disagreeing with Greek. I think he's right. I think they're going to put Richard Sherman on Martavis Bryant, and I think that it's going to be very interesting. I think that you're going to get to see Richard Sherman jet ski a lot. Meaning yeah, he's going I mean, to be I, holding on to the back of Martavius Bryant's jersey as he's running down the field past him. But see, I, th- I mean, here's the here's the thing, though. I think this this game shapes up as a game where the Steelers might have some trouble running against Seattle. I mean, they just it seems to me like watching them, even when they weren't going so well this year, the one thing that they seem to do well is stretch out run plays, uh, and they don't, you know, the edges are kind of. They, they got a lot of speed linebacker, don't they? You are not going to run at, at Seattle out of the I formation or out of ace or two tight end formations. You're not going to run at Seattle again, out of three wide receivers again with plays that you run a ton of. They have great advanced scouting. But if the Steelers show some different formations and they get Bruce Irvin over Marcus Gilbert and they get Michael Bannon inside on Ramon Foster in, in the, in, let's say on third down and nine, I could see third down and nine popping for 25 and 30-yard runs at times if they do go with that small, even against the cover three, because Martavius Bryant, you're in, Richard Sherman's going to have to be immediately in bail, you know, and I like Earl Thomas. He's going to have to play 15 yards off the ball with Antonio Brown and Martavius Bryant on the field. If, if they don't, then the Steelers probably aren't even going to try to run the ball. It's, it would be ridiculous for him to do so. I think that Mike Tomlin realizes in this game he's going to have to hang points and hang them early and hang them quick because the crowd and the Steelers getting inside their own heads, this could be ugly for the Steelers. I mean, the worst thing they could do is come off this bye and lay an egg. Yeah, I just, I mean, uh, it just strikes me as one of those games where we get to find out if they've learned the lessons of the past and, you know, put pressure on the defense immediately, on the Seattle defense immediately by exploiting the matchup, uh, matchups that they have in their favor. But if they, if they go out and try to establish a run game against that team and get into third and longs where Cliff Averill is, you know, Cliff, here's the thing about Cliff Averill. He's not going to, he, you are not going to have a pass play where he doesn't get to the quarterback in three seconds or less. Right. I mean, it's like you, Ben might have to escape the pocket. They might be able to, but that guy is going to get to the spot where the quarterback is planted. Uh, he's going to get to the work. X. No, he, if, but I'm saying right. he's, a, if, he's a guy that gets – even when he doesn't really get a good pass rush, he still gets there in three seconds. I mean, the guy – I would be the surprised if the umpire, the old umpire and the referee, let them play a little bit on the offensive line because you have two $100 million quarterbacks. And uh, hmm. that's something – I mean, we, we laugh and we joke, but with the, with these quarterbacks going down, I noticed after Peyton Manning – that were I thought there was fifteen or twenty really bad holds this past week that weren't called, and I noticed in the games it was Tom Brady and I'm not in Carson Palmer. I mean I'm not trying to say that Cam Newton. I think that they're trying to protect the big, you know, the big product, and that's the quarterbacks in this game. And I think they they let some holding go, and that won't be an advantage to the Steelers. Don't get me wrong. I mean. The Steelers are going to have to press pressure Wilson. You know, um, I, I doubt Paul Richardson's going to play this week, but Seattle has the ability to put three receivers on the field that run sub 4-4, four, four, definitely sub 4-5, you know. Yeah. And with Jimmy Graham, is <laughs> the fourth option, and he's pretty damn good. 
you know. So I think the refs are going to let some holding go, and uh, I think they have to. They're with the with the way the quarterbacks are going down. Brady got drilled on Monday Night Football, and I was like, oh my god, I can just imagine, <laughs> you know, Manning and Brady going down in the same year. You know, you've had Ben go down, and he's a well. Wait, just, hey, hold on a second, hold on a second. Do you think Peyton Manning's really hurt? Yeah, I do not. I I, 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 I think that I don't think it's necessarily what they're listing. I think that how about this? I don't know if his, he's hurt. I think he might be done. Which is, his ego is hurt because I do. Yeah, I do think his he's arm's done. dead. He got a dead arm. He's done. And that's yeah. hurt, in my opinion. You know, I well, think that, that he that last game, that last interception that he threw was a ball where he had a guy behind the defense who wasn't, and it was very quick off a of snap. It was a classic Peyton Manning deep ball, meaning. He got the ball. He he set for a second and threw it immediately, and he could not get it to uh, his guy wide open on the right. edge. You know that's a and it was intercepted. That right there is like a you know that's one of those plays where it's like son, nice career, time to find your life's work. And you know they replaced him after that. So. Time to become president I, of the Tennessee Titans after the season. I don't know, Greek. I, I don't know if I was going to ask Greek. Greek, I, my money's on Cleveland. That that team goes <laughs> as a player coach for a year in Cleveland because of his connection with the ownership there. What do you think? Fingers crossed. <laughs> I actually think he's going to be president, uh, president of the Tennessee Titans. My player, I mean, as funny as that sounds, I'm saying over a head coach, over a general manager, one year out of the NFL. Because uh, Bud Adams' family is nuts. <laughs> you know, and they are. Yeah. I mean, for me to say Bud Adams – who shot fans the finger from his luxury boss at like 90. You know, if I'm saying there's somebody more nutty in his family. And, yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You mentioned, though, FC, a second ago, uh, I got off track there because I was going to ask you, you know, more, you, they might let the let them hold a little bit in this game, but, you know, to me the fear is that Marcus Gilbert won't even get there to hold him because it's like, you, <laughs> you know, in order to hold Cliff Averill, you have to – you have to be able to get out of your stance fast when you're enough to not Pro Bowl ballot, be here. When you're filling out that Pro Bowl ballot, you do your old buddy FC here a favor, and you remember Marcus Gilbert. He's had a really good year at right tackle, and I agree with you. He has played games in the past where I was like, wow, you're a piece of shit. But he, he lost 30 pounds, which you could look at him and tell that he was in better shape. I didn't know he was 30 pounds later. And uh, – He's really – he's earned my respect. Um, and you're right. I mean, they Seattle has a great pass rush. They still do, it, even though you don't necessarily see it as much turning up. they I believe they forced a few fumbles against uh, their last opponent. I know they did for a fact. Um, yep. They, they, they really, really get to the ball. And, they, and they're, they've made two Super Bowls out of the last – the last two Super Bowls for a reason. You know, they're a great team. This is going to be the best coached defense that we play all year, and that includes New England because they're more talented. This is going to be yeah. the best defense the Sewers have played this year. I know that for a fact. I have that much belief in the Sewers' offense. If the offensive line holds up, I don't think there's a team that can stop the Steelers' offense with the way the rules are now. I don't think the 74, 75, 76 Steelers could stop this Steelers team with today's rules. The 85 Bears could not stop this Steelers team with 
the modern rules. I, I know one thing that can stop the Steelers team. Mm-hmm. It's the team that's wearing is the team that wearing the team wearing stripes can also stop them. Right, uh, Greek? Did you did you see uh, did you see any of uh, Monday Night Football? I did. And you saw was, towards I the end saw, of the game. Yeah, one of the worst officiated. <laughs> Yeah, when Mike Carrico calls out, when Mike Carrico calls out the officials after the game, I saw the headset. But that never happens there, though, huh? <laughs> yeah. One so, play okay, cost me a hundred bucks, and, and it was from oh, fantasy yeah. football. If you can believe that, one play, wow, one hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, so in you know in order, here's what I saw: end of the last play of the third quarter, uh, Buffalo throws a pass over the middle, and the the receiver gets hauled down with the horse collar. Flag is thrown. Giant meeting, go to commercial, come back from commercial, flag is picked up, no penalty. Uh, next play, uh, Buffalo quarterback gets said. sacked. They said the ball was tipped is why they didn't call the interference on that. I thought they were no, not in, But it wasn't interference. It looked like a horse collar tackle. So it was interference. That's what I missed. Okay. Anyway, Do you think so Watkins was, was out of bounds there at the end? No, no. That's, I was getting to that. But before, <laughs> before even that one, then it's like a first play after two minutes, Buffalo is, needs a touchdown. They throw a completion over the middle, nice, nice little completion. But while they're trying to figure out about stopping the clock or what play to run or whatever, the quarterback is looking at the sideline in Gillette Stadium, pointing at his headset, can't yes. hear you. <laughs> yeah, that never I mean, happens come on. there. <laughs> what are the odds? What are the odds of that happening? What about the inner uh, whistle that actually took a touching off the board? Did they ever explain like, what, what that call might have even been? Yes. So here's the way inadvertent whistle works. Like what happened was Rex Ryan was trying to say something about, you know, he wanted a holding called or something like this. And he uh, was, he got himself in front of the view of the line judge who at that time penalized, threw a flag and penalized him and inadvertently blew his whistle as he did so. So uh, the ball, what they ruled was that the whistle happened uh, simultaneously or after the catch that was made downfield, which makes the play dead, but at the point of, you know, wherever the ball was, whenever the whistle blew. But the reality was, and this was obvious to anybody who watched the play, who watched the replay, who listened to the replay, the whistle actually came while the ball was in midair. In that case, it's supposed to revert back to the original line of scrimmage, and it's, it, there's no play. So what they ended up calling Favored the favored the Patriots, and it was a sort of a makeup call. It was like, well, we we cost you guys a touchdown or or a super long gainer penalty made it almost as if the play had been allowed to continue. But that was a sort of like a uh, like I said, a makeup call because the reality was the whistle blew during the pass, so they should, they should have gotten a 15 yard penalty and been done with it. But the uh, you know that that uh, just another in a long string of officiating errors that we've seen this year. And, you know, I've been harping on it. I think it's particularly bad right now. And then the last play of the game just sealed, sealed it with a kiss where the receiver caught a ball and went out of bounds out of his own volition without being touched. And they let the, the clock continue to run, kept Buffalo from having a Hail Mary. Granted, not a high percentage play left for them to score a touchdown. But, but still, you know, the principle of the thing is like, well, sure would have been nice for them to get a Hail Mary. Got a feeling that had a bit of a makeup call feel to it as well. Um, you know, because I think if, you know, you're that officiating crew, you're thinking the last thing we want to have happen here is for Buffalo to, to you know, uh, tie this game and win it in overtime. 
and then have everybody go back and talk about what we did wrong. And instead, you know, it turned, it turned out to be kind of no big deal for them. Wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, that's the explanation, Greg. Does that make sense to you? It does. And Steelers' best interest. I mean, I was good with him being ruled inbounds anyways. <laughs> I think the reason why they ruled him inbounds is if the, when you look at the catch, his one knee touches the ground, basically the old school, like, downing the ball type thing. And I think that's what the referee called. I actually think he might have been right. Wasn't he going backwards, FC? Like no, no, no. He, he, was, he was going backwards. And if you go backwards, then the clock continues to run. That's that's. No, 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 that's not true. No, that's nope. not true. Even, even within the last two minutes? Yeah, as long as, as, long as the defender does not touch you. If, it, right. if, you, if you go, if you are... No, 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 what I'm know, saying is the prior act. When he caught the ball, if you look, the one knee touches down. It's, oh. It doesn't matter in the NFL. The only thing, no. unless he... Is unless there any way they thought he was going, back, like going backwards? Because I thought that was like one of the things of giving yourself up. No, no, if you start in a standing position, catch the ball with no defender around and put your knee down, you're, yeah. you're downing yourself. Okay. But in this case, you know, the, here's the thing. This, just to clarify, it's a, it's a question of if, you have, if, forward, if you're being ruled uh, that forward progress advanced the football farther than you ended up. So, in other words, you get hit backwards, right? Right. Then the, then the spot of forward progress is where the ball is marked and the clock continues to run because that spot's obviously in bounds. If you are ruled to go out of bounds, after contact uh, in a forward motion from where the contact started, or you go right. off on your own before you were touched, those are, those are both situations where you run out of bounds. It's the same as running out of bounds in any situation. Forward, backward, sideways doesn't matter. What matters is the contact. There was no contact from the defender, and he wasn't in a position to give himself up. It was a guy trying to get out of bounds. And, you know, the, like I said, you, it's always possible that in the heat of the moment someone, you know, was confused or it could be that the clock on the field – said zero, even though the one in the stadium said 0.2 or said two seconds or whatever, I guess, you know, you could make excuses like that, but basically it's a blown call. Anyway, I'm going to have referee corner from now on the show. Do my best to try to explain uh, the, uh, actually, that was a different podcast. You can tune into that one on uh, game day, uh, game week Fridays at 3.01 PM uh, Eastern time. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys tune into that show. Greek, you'll listen. You, you're listening to every show. There you go. I'm sure you'll be there for that one. Um, well, since we've diverted into talking about uh, Monday Night Football and the fact that you wanted the Bills to win, see, I didn't have any fear about the Bills winning. You know, I, I was allowed to hate the Patriots and, and have no problem with the Bills winning because I, I just don't think there's a chance the Bills are going to meet or exceed the Steelers' record over the last third of the season. They just don't have – they don't have the pieces. They have some nice – got a really easy schedule. The, had they beaten New England, AC's their only tough game left. No, nah, I, don't, I don't know about that, man. I think, I think they got at least a couple of losses because you, you overlook who's playing quarterback for them. So, you know, it's kind of like if they had a, if they had a professional, experienced uh, quarterback who was in the top third in the league, then yes. They could run the table. You know, any team that has a defense that's that solid and a good quarterback can win every game. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't see any, any of those teams as a real threat. Kansas City is a, maybe a little bit more of an existential threat because their quarterback's good enough and, and they um, have the tiebreaker over the Steelers. You know, it gives them a little bit of an advantage. But that would be the only team I look on the horizon that I'm even remotely worried about. Um, but I don't know. I think if they're if they're good enough to catch the Steelers, they might win their division. Um, so, 
I don't know. I look at. I mean, I guess I'll put this out to you, uh, FC. Who do you think are the, you know, with a third of the season left to go, who are the playoff teams? Do we know any more this week? Man, the the, the hardest thing to, to, to guess is going to be who's going to win like the AFC South and the NFC East. You know what I mean? Uh, we can yeah. make your guess, but we may want to change this really quickly by Christmas because it's it's kind of ugly. I mean, for the AFC, I think that you can bring it down. It's going to be New England. It's going to. I think Cincinnati is going to win the division. Boo! I know. Um, I think that if I had to guess AFC South, I'm going to probably. Oh man, I'll go with the Colts, but. Houston, I think, is the best team there. Uh, the AFC West, you're definitely going to say Denver. I think your wild card teams are going to be the first wild card is going to be the Steelers, and I think the second wild card is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Greg, who do you got? I, uh, I was going to say I agree with that. Maybe um, a yeah, the there rather than the Colts. You think the yeah, Houston? I think, the tex- I think maybe the well, Texans think- got a chance there. Yeah, so do I. That's, that's so- I think the Texans, are, the Texans are a better team. I think maybe – you know, it depends. If Luck comes back for a couple of games at the end of the year and plays well, you know, their schedule is not so intimidating. And it's going to be like a one-game-either-way kind of scenario between Houston and Indy, I think. So it wouldn't shock me if Indy actually hung on to win or came back to win the division at maybe 10-6 and six or something. But, uh, but yeah, you know, Houston, I, think, I would think we can all agree Houston's a better team. I, I think the Steelers have an extremely realistic chance of catching Cincinnati, I'll tell you. Cincinnati is a lot of away games. They don't play that well on the road. And they just, you know, for the last couple of weeks, they just have not looked like the same team that started the season. And in Cincinnati's case, in their history, at least in the past couple of years, when they start to go, they the wheels fall off, you know? So yeah, it, it wouldn't, I, I, it wouldn't I surprise me at all for them to get to 11-5. I think they got St. Louis, they us, the Browns, Denver, Baltimore at, at San Francisco is the other game. Okay. So I, I broke I mean, it down because I actually was interested in who I thought was going to make the, the, the playoff night. And I think I could see the two teams finishing tied and the Bengals have the tiebreaker because they're going to be guaranteed to have one more, if it breaks down the way I think it is, of one more AFC win. Yeah, I just feel like one of those – the Bengals are going to lose one of those two division games to teams. Really, I think they're going to lose to no the Steelers. I, think they're gonna, I don't think they're going to lose to the Ravens now without Forsett or without Flacco. I mean, I'm – But see, I think Cleveland – Cleveland has – you know, Cincinnati has a way of losing a game to Cleveland or, you know, right. an inferior team. And that, that to me is the one that wouldn't surprise me. But it also wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers put a lot of pressure on them. You know, the next couple of weeks for, for, for the Ravens, or no picnic. Even the Rams, you know, even the Rams right. are a team that could give them some trouble. So there's not they a whole get lot. The run game going, and special. If they score a special teams touchdown, and they can get Gurley going at all. You don't want to fall behind that team because Aaron Donald and they rush the passer, boy. Ooh, they rush the passer violently. I'm saying, how, how much difference between Houston with T.J. Yates and uh, and St. Louis? Like not much. You know, their right. their defenses their defenses are pretty similar. They both have some dominant players up front. They have a nice running back. Um, actually, you could argue that St. Louis's running game is better. You know, they don't they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, but you know who does? Right, right Creek. 
NFC playoff teams. <laughs> this is where you're going to love it. You're going to love it, love it, love it. I have Arizona winning the West. Um, I have Carolina winning the South. I think they already locked it up. I have the Minnesota Vikings winning the North. And I have the oh. Washington Redskins winning the NFC East. <laughs> you're like, wow. wow, that's fucking nuts. I, I have uh, Green Bay and Seattle as your wild card teams. Well, I have a same same top as you, Arizona, and Car- if number one seed, Carolina is the two. And I, I think Green Bay schedule maybe favors them a little bit down the stretch uh, over over Minnesota. Uh, I just felt like that last last week was their real opportunity to win at home against Green Bay and, and put them, you know, put a lot of pressure on them to even get in the playoffs. Green Bay, uh, and I think maybe this once again the Redskins at home at this season like can beat anybody on the road can beat almost no one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be, based based on that, I think the Giants maybe have a shot at eight and eight to win that division. I kind of see that as, you know, a division where anybody, any of the four teams could win that division. But uh, I think Washington has three uh, away games coming up, uh, and just you know, that's three too many for them the way that they've been playing. I think the um, Giants and the Redskins play this Sunday, if I remember right. I could actually see Dallas getting back in that picture. Sure, yeah, and then you have Dallas and Washington. Then I got a schedule now in front of me: Washington, Chicago, Buffalo at Washington, Washington at Philadelphia, yeah. Washington at Dallas. It's gonna be the the NFC East is just gonna be a beautiful fucking chaos. <laughs> I think in like the last six weeks. Dallas the NFL should be very They're happy. gonna get back in that conversation. Well, the thing about Dallas, though, Greek, is they they start with Carolina. On the short right. week, and if they win tomorrow, you know, yeah, and then and then they're at the Redskins, who I just said have beaten everybody at home, uh, and then in week fourteen, Dallas is at Green Bay. I mean, their schedule is brutal going down the stretch. Then they host the Jets, probably a win. Uh, and uh, where am I going with this? Uh, I lost track of Dallas. Come on, Dallas, come through for me. In week six, 16, I'm trying to figure out where they are. Oh, they're oh, at Washington. Buffalo. Oh, are they at Buffalo? They're, okay. They're at Buffalo, and then the last weekend, uh, they are uh, hosting the Redskins. So yeah. it's not that I think, not that I don't think that, that they could have a chance to win any of those games. It's just a question of winning all of them, which they'd more or less have to do to get back in it. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Pretty tough. Pretty tough task. Although they probably have the best team right now in the division, the second. Anyway, they uh, that's that's a look at what injuries can do to you when your best play, you know, one of your best players, skill position, and your quarterback are missing for most of the season, right? Even the Steelers are damn lucky to be in the position that they are when you think about it. Um, well, anyway, uh, Greek, uh, that's I guess that does it for our pick segment around the league, which by the way was brought to us by SD. Um, Gene Senator, uh, Mike Pereira. Um, I cannot remember the other guys. Dean Blandino. Dean Blandino. How do I continuously forget to find Yes, yeah. I think you. I was gonna say. I think you might have a, like a little something going on with Dean Blandino. Uh, right. We could probably add. We could probably add Mike Carey to this list as well. Oh, there he is. That was actually the guy <laughs> I was looking for. Oh, is he fucking brutal? <laughs> it makes you wonder how these cats got the jobs they got. But what are you gonna do? Um. It doesn't make me wonder too much, but you know, because I have an idea how they got them. Uh, it's the it's that you know, if you last long enough, seniority will get you almost anything in a job like a NFL official. 
Who you know, guys? Who you know? That's what it's all about. Anyway, Greek, tell us what you think is going to happen in this week's Pittsburgh Steelers game as they go to Seattle uh, in, in what should be pretty much marquee matchup of the weekend. You want to score? I've got the score going Pittsburgh 26, the Seahawks at 20. 26 to 20. Yeah, I've got us going uh, for not... an early point conversion. I've, I've done the math. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Actually, you know, that's something that's, uh, you know, we're – someday we might have to talk about that because the Steelers – I don't like it. I don't know about you guys. I just think it's it's all – it's great when it works, but in a big game, that one time it doesn't work, I think the board's going to explode. Well, here's the thing, though. They're they're succeeding at an unbelievable rate with it. You know, what are they, seven and two or something? You know, so they're seven out of nine, I think. Uh, you just – it's hard to argue with that result, despite the fact that it could come back to haunt you, maybe, you know, in certain situations in some game. But I have a feeling if you're, if you're going to succeed at even two-thirds of the time, it totally makes sense to do, especially if they've missed two kicks. That's not a sure thing either. Yeah, that's true. They've missed two, they missed two point afters, right? So anyway, but you uh, flow of the game-wise, you think it's uh, Pittsburgh jumping out to an early lead and hanging on, or you do realize that Seattle has uh, – they have – have uh, 58 straight games they have played where they had the lead at some point in the game. That's Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's the way I see it. Coming off the bye, I, see, I do see the Steelers getting an early lead and hanging on. <laughs> I wasn't trying to second guess you. I just tried to. I wanted you to. I wanted you to hammer it home. Maybe this will be the first game in 59. It's a better way to look at it. It'll be the first game in 59 where maybe they don't have a lead. We can all breathe easily or easier. Um, anyway, FC, what do you got? To quote the late, great Chuck Knoll, streaks are made to be broken. I think the Steelers are going to pound the fuck out of Seattle early. Um, I really do. I have a great feeling about this game. Um, I have a feeling Seattle has absolutely no clue of the talent that the Steelers offense really – they really are talented. Um, I think Ben was sharp, um, you know, with the fucking Frankenfoot shoe. <laughs> um, they, like, showed his two shoes. I was like, my God. I was like, <laughs> what do they have in there? It's like a fucking tank. <laughs> He's like, you know, like, he can't lift his foot up. You know, when his career is over, FC, in his the house, he's going to have some trophies in the cases, and he's going to have some uh, game balls and you know, jerseys and whatever. But he's going to have a whole collection of Frankenfoot shoes. Exactly. That's like a fucking moon boot, dude, for real. I was like, oh, my God. It's like, he ain't going to the moon, boys. Just got to stay healthy. Um, I think the Steelers are going to win this game 35-26. to 26. I like that 26 score. Um, Rod Woodson. I just uh, – he actually did an interview. He coaches, I believe, in either Oakland or in San Francisco. I'm pretty sure it's Oakland. And he couldn't be more complimentary of Pittsburgh and how, like, Dick LeBeau and Dom Capers and Bill Cower and the people of Pittsburgh and Chuck Knoll. He went through the whole thing before he even, like, touched on his coaching. So I'm going to go with 35-26 Steelers. Um, the game's not going to be that close. Um, it's Steelers 4 o'clock. You know, it's this is going to be big, a big game, and uh, 
I think that the beating that the Steelers give to Seattle actually turns around Seattle season after this. But uh, I like the Steelers this week, and I like them pretty big. I do not think Seattle will have the lead in this game, unless it's like well, three nothing to like on their first possession. Well, this is a rarity. I, FC and I are actually, I think, if you went back in the history of the show, there aren't that many times where we're at odds um, for what might happen in this game. First of all, I think if if I had to guess and this is totally a guess because there's so long to go in the season, a lot of things could happen. I think this is the hardest game. This is the biggest obstacle the Steelers face between now and the end of the year in terms of opponents. Of course, Steelers' obstacles are always injuries and penalties and mistakes and whatever, but as far as the opponents are concerned, this is the one that concerns me the most um, that they face for the rest of the regular season. Um, coming off the bye makes it a little bit nicer. They can really you know, prepare a little bit better for this team. Um, so I'm sure we'll see a a little uh, dink pass to the fullback on the first play. Um, anyway, um, I think this is a, uh, a a dog fight. I don't think it's necessarily a close game throughout, but I think it's one of those sort of back and forth games with a lot of punches thrown. Seattle tends to play, uh, you know, these big games pretty well, and they they have uh, you know they haven't come out on the right end of a lot of the bigger games this year. But I could see them making a fight out of it, particularly with the Rawls at, court, at running back, I think, has provided quite a spark for them. Uh, I I think this is a 28-27 Steelers win, uh, and I think that the difference is a two-point conversion in this game. I think that the Steelers and, and Seahawks are pretty even as, at home, at, at Seattle. You play this game somewhere else, maybe more of a chance uh, of the Steelers getting blown out. But, you know, it's a place where – they lead the league in false starts for years. Uh, and, you know, even running silent and even running, you know, uh, no huddle and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, you could very easily get in a situation where you get behind the eight ball because of a false start penalty or a holding call uh, or not being able to run the football effectively on the early downs. Um, so I, I see this being a couple, couple of drives where the Steelers move through Seattle like butter and a couple of drives where they stop them dead couple of drives where Seattle's offense sputters uh, and, and then a couple of drives where they make make the plays they need to make the score. But I still like the Steelers and the, the last, uh, you know, tick of the clock going off uh, and coming out of their stealing a 28 to 27 win over Seattle. That's my thought. Um, Greek final thought from you, you hung with us for the whole podcast. So you get your final thought. I did. I guess I'll just say uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys, everybody on the board, be safe and go Steelers. Excellent. FC. Um, I'll get with the happy Thanksgiving part. And about four hours ago, I read about uh, Stedman Bailey, former West Virginia wider shaver, who's had a few run-ins, got shot twice in the head, and is in stable condition. People, just be good to each other. Be nice. You don't got to fucking shoot each other. Just be nice. Don't act a fool. Have fun. Don't drink and drive. Have a great holidays. And whenever the Steelers donkey punch Seattle this Sunday, just remember, YB2B should not disagree with the old FC. I'm like the worst person at these pick segments. I like get the games right because the score's completely wrong. Just, uh, I had a of balls there. <laughs> well, we we do agree on that much anyway. I was just going to yep, say sir. kind of the same as, same as Greek. Enjoy your holiday, people. And, uh, you know, Try not to get too, uh, you know, the, the Thursday games are just the appetizer, folks. The real football is on Sunday at 4.15. Uh, 
And uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Try not to, you know, don't get bent out of shape if it's a close game and the Steelers win. They still count as a W. It doesn't matter. You don't have to blow out every team to make it. Just because it would make it easier on my heart if they did that uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily better. So enjoy. I think we're we're having a special season. So uh, one more week in the bag. Talk to you, gentlemen, after a great big victory next week on behalf of uh, Greg Steele, who stayed with us all week, filled in aptly for the IR Steel Perch. Uh, and FC and Steel Fury and all the folks at SteelFury.com. I am Bradshaw the Ben saying, go get them, Steelers. Bye, dudes. Later, boys. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.